0: And it was the first time where I really felt like I could eat whatever I wanted within the parameters set. And I felt amazing. I didn't have to worry about what it was or how it was. Um, I really, you know, most people feel like when they start keto from those that I coach now that they feel it's really restrictive. And for me, it was like the exact opposite.
1: What's up guys, and welcome to another episode of KCL's Keto Corner Podcast. Today's episode, I interview Keto Neo, um, also known as the Keto Matrix, and he is super awesome. He is also a keto coach. Um, He's actually a jack of all trades, does about five different jobs, and I'm not sure all of what he does, but um, he's a wonderful individual. He had me originally on his podcast. That's where I first met him, and he's actually local um, to me. He lives about two or three hours away. Um, so it's pretty cool. This episode, I really liked. Um, we dive into several different topics, learn about Keto Neo and his story, and it's overall just a great episode. I hope you enjoy. Hello, how are you?
0: I am amazing. Uh, <laughs> it's so weird, like hearing people call me Keto Neo, and mm-hmm. sometimes like someone will actually call me Neo, and I'm like, oh, that's me. I'm like looking for Keanu Reeves or something like that. Oh.
1: Like people What's, will come up to me in public and they'll be like, Oh, look, it's Keto Coach Lauren. I'm like, Yeah, I'm not Lauren anymore. I'm I'm Keto Coach Lauren.
0: That's, put it all put it all together. I can't respond. Um, yeah, no, just not even you're like way more famous than I am. I don't have anyone locally that knows me. It's more of like my wife decides to call me Neo, and I'm like, Why are you calling me Neo? Or, you know, like a brother or something like that. It's not like some random stranger that's like, Oh, you're that guy. I'm like, No, you got you got me confused.
1: Oh, gosh. Well, um, guys, Keto Neo is actually pretty close to us. Um, If you're listening, you know that I live in Graham, North Carolina. He is in Charlotte, which is about three hours away from where I live. And we recently just linked up and I was on his podcast previously. And so thank you for that opportunity. Uh, he actually is the, like one of the reasons that I got into podcasting and has helped me um, through the process and has helped me kind of figure out how to get it started. So I appreciate that.
0: Um, awesome. And Any, I, anything I could do to help, I'm all in. <laughs>
1: and I had to have you on uh, fairly quickly. So um, I just kind of want to give you the opportunity to share with people who may not know you, your story, um, how you struggled with weight loss, how you came to keto and things like that.
0: So this podcast I'm assuming is not going to run for like hours upon hours. (laughs) So when people ask me that question, I'm always like, I don't, I don't really know where to start. Like if I started directly before keto, then We can talk about like the fat stage of my wife saying, hey, you're fat, which she never said that I would never, ever say that she said that. But (laughs) she did say, hey, I want you to be more conscientious of what you're doing health wise. Right. So I could start there or I could go from before then to when I got divorced and decided I was going to make myself feel better by smoking all of the meat in the world, like all of the barbecue, all of it. (laughs) or we could go back even further to like just the fact that i always look in the mirror even now and see myself weighing 98 pounds and being the smallest person in the room when that's not necessarily always been the case so you can tell me whether you want to choose a b or c and i'll start from there
1: <laughs> um gosh i don't know let's let's start from if we can get a condensed version let's just i want to know like how you became overweight in the first place
0: Okay, cool. So I've, I've been working out since as long as I can remember. Okay. Like before I was allowed to work out, my dad was like, it's going to stunt your growth. And I would curl like no joke, a diaper bag, um, <laughs> so that I could feel like I was working out. Cause I was always the skinny kid. Like that's how people ex- described who I was like skinny, lanky, tall, like that was me. So when I was finally allowed to start working out, I was crushing it. Like that's all I could do. I lived in the gym to the point where it was really an obsession. I read every muscle and fitness and flex magazine that was out there. And my thought process was I wanted to just be as big as I possibly could be. So that actually worked out to be beneficial, like in my sports athleticism and background, like it allowed me to go to the gym and eat and, and just create this desire to get big, which was cool. Um, I was still young though. And no matter what, I really couldn't get, but so big. Fast fast forward, um, I had become a personal trainer, working out, went through college, all of those great things. And finally got back to this space where I was kind of like, okay, cool. I was training clients full time and wanted to just get to the point where I could get as big as possible and crush concrete. Like that was the goal and objective. Um, So really focused on bodybuilding and getting big and found myself close to the 300 pound mark, but leaner. Now, when I say leaner, I mean leaner, not lean. Like I was not like 300 pounds and 10%. I was like 280 pounds and probably 20%. But, you know, look good in a sweatshirt. So (laughs) um, that kind of took me up until uh, I got divorced. And when I got divorced, I was kind of like, oh, well, I'll still go to the gym. I'll still lift heavy, but I'm going to eat. And I ate a lot because eating for me had always been one of those things that was, um, a solution to whatever was going on, whether it was good emotions, bad emotions, it was just a solution. And so um, I found myself eating and I will tell you the best thing to go with barbecue is beer. I don't care <laughs> what anybody says, like, that's just how that works out. All so the
1: carbs. <laughs>
0: I, I, listen, I'm telling you, it was, it was ridiculous. And I will say I cook really well. I smoke really well. I bake really well. And so I kind of went through this phase of I'm um, eating a lot and got big. And then I realized as I was divorced that I would never find anyone else if I stayed as big as I was. <laughs> so <laughs> I lost, lost a ton of weight, killed myself, did two a days and just, you know, kind of got nuts and found my now wife. We got married. I uh, got back into corporate America. And, you know, all of those things, uh, as I look back at it now, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like I had never really looked at fixing any of the problems that I had when it came to the emotional connection I had with food. Um, So when I started working again in corporate America, now being married, but also very aware of my divorce and my failure at that point in time, any of the stress that I had, was like, let's fix said stress with food. So uh, we traveled a bunch. Uh, I was a logistics manager that covered a large region. And so we were traveling a lot. Uh, We lived in Ohio at the time where it was cold. And we just made adventures with food. So going to Chicago, going to St. Louis, like any of the food capitals, I literally had an app. It's called TV Foodie for (laughs) diners, drive-ins and dives. You're laughing, but this is so serious. And anytime we would go to a city, drive through a city, look at a city on a map, we would find out what food restaurants had been on TV and we would go there and eat all of the food.
1: I mean, that's okay. a pretty cool adventure though. Like that's I like that.
0: <laughs> Listen, I'm t- we loved it too. Okay. So, like literally we did that all the time and we traveled a lot. So, you know, that with stress I just, I got, I got big. Okay. So I'm over 300 pounds at this point in time. Um, you've probably heard me share this story before, but the number one reason and argument that I can say really reflectively shaped how fat I really was, was coming home. And my wife literally had all of my pants hung up on furniture because the day before we argued about the fact that she was shrinking my pants and I couldn't just keep buying more pants. And at this point I'm wearing a 38 um, which is, I mean, put it this way. I'm like a 28 right now. Right. Like, so I was a right. 38 waist and they were like skinny jeans and I'm like, you can't keep shrinking my pants. I don't understand. So either way, <laughs> I digress. <laughs> I was, I was fat. And I do love hot.
1: that story, by the way. <laughs>
0: It was it was crazy. I feel so bad when I say it, because I, I was pissed. I was like, I don't understand why you keep shrinking my clothes.
1: you got to so, stop that dryer. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm like, y- you can't wash them in hot water, and you can't dry it on high. Like, come on. So needless to say, she was like, okay, well, at the end of the day, I really want you to make the conscious decision as far as what you're doing with your health. Um, my wife's nine years younger than I am, and she always says that I can't die before her. I feel like that's an inevitability, <laughs> but okay. So um, the the deal was if she would, you know, kind of work with being more aware of her surroundings and, you know, training more with firearms and doing some other things, I would make better decisions with food. So that was it. I was like, okay, cool. This will be the start. So I started making, we went out, bought a Vitamix, spent $700 so that I could oh, literally take Lord. every vegetable and fruit and liquefy it.
1: Because <laughs> like, I ain't eating it. <laughs> but,
0: Seriously, I was like, I'll start my day off that way. I was all about the spinach, the kale, the char and strawberries. And I would just, I'd make all these smoothies. I'd go to the gym twice a day and, you know, work on losing weight. You know, like I'm, I'm a certified personal trainer. Like this is my thing. Like I can do this. Uh, And I did that for like three months and maybe I lost five pounds. Like seriously, maybe. Um, And so it just really wasn't working. Um, We continued kind of going through that same process. And I felt like I felt better, but I still was, I was fat. Like, that's just what it is. And then I was kind of looking at like the stress, like stress is the same. Obviously I'd have like slip-ups where I'd want to eat cake and apple pie and custard and, and all of those things. And, you know, I was like, we we came down actually to North Carolina. We were still in Ohio at the time. We went to a friend's wedding and I just looked at our pictures and I was like, golly, I look horrible. Like we need, we need to make some adjustments. And I knew that it was work. Like I was like, I I, I can't have a better version of myself if I'm as stressed out as I am at work. Right. So um, I quit my job. We moved back <laughs> to North Carolina and it continued like the, the grind of trying to lose weight. At this point in time, we kind of reconnected with some friends and I had heard about it for a really long time, but hadn't really done it. And I was challenged to do intermittent fasting. And the challenge came in the form of, yeah, I tried it for a day. I thought I was going to eat my arm. It's probably not something you can do. And I was like, (laughs) thank you for that. Game, set, match. I'll just start tomorrow. So I looked into and kind of dived into intermittent fasting and intermittent fasting was fantastic. Now, I will say this. If you put in like Instagram I-I-F-Y-M, or intermittent fasting, you will find a bunch of people that shove like hostess cupcakes in their mouth during their eating window to lose weight. And I was like, oh, that's impossible. I'm going to try it. So I started (laughs)
1: literally like,
0: yes. So I'm baking like crazy. I'm making cheesecakes, brownies, cupcakes, danishes, pastry, like the whole nine yards, um, lasagna, like everything. And I'm losing weight. I mean, like, it's, it's falling off people. Like I'm not doing two a day workouts. I'm going once a day. Maybe if, if I don't have like a cake in the oven and I'm losing a bunch of weight. So I'm now down like 60, 70 pounds and just I couldn't from intermittent it fasting. just from intermittent fasting.
1: Now where you, you were doing, if it fits your macros though, so you were tracking.
0: I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was, I was tracking, but I was more so tracking like how much I could eat in a compressed window. Okay. So like if I if I was determined that I was gonna do a 16 hour fast, I would say, okay, cool, and that means I have eight hours to eat. So I would literally just track how much I could eat in eight hours. <laughs> and that would be like, cool, this is where I'm at today. So that that's kind of like my crazy approach and look at it. And my thought process was all about like the manipulating of my insulin and growth hormone. Right. So I I continue. So I'm dropping a ton of weight. I felt felt like that was awesome. It's working, but I own multiple businesses now. When we moved back, I really had to figure out like how I was going to continue supporting us. Um, I had taken a new job on top of the businesses that I started, and I really just felt like by the time I got home, not arguing over shrunken pants, but being able to be a better husband and have more like vitality. I just I was drained. Um, I really didn't have the the clarity that everyone spoke about with you know intermittent fasting and some of those things, and I just felt like I really needed to improve my efficiency. Had no idea how I was going to do that. Um, my pastor's wife did a a live video on YouTube um, for a series leading up to Easter and was basically just saying that he was weird and didn't eat carbs. And <laughs> I literally was like, that that doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't know how. And he's one of the very few people that I look at and I thought, you know, he lives a life that's busier than my own you know, I felt like he was always high energy. He had a ton on his plate. And I felt like I could really relate to him wanting to always be, you know, I don't want to say perfect, right? Because none of us are perfect, but on top of his game. Mm-hmm. So when I heard that, it kind of resonated with me. And I was like, well, if he doesn't eat carbs, and he performs this well, like, maybe I shouldn't eat carbs. It's like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I feel like you absolutely have to have carbs in your life. But I
1: mean, and I- being being a personal trainer and learning that nutrition background that you're taught. I mean, that. I mean, it's the way of the world. That's what you know.
0: Yeah. So I just, it didn't, it really made no sense to me. So I was like, but I'll research it and kind of see, and obviously like the internet's available to everyone. So let's Google it. Mm -hmm. So I Google it and, you know, I kind of share with my wife and she's so supportive. She was like, that's insane. I wouldn't do that. Cool. (laughs) Like I'm here
1: for you, but
0: (laughs) I was like, awesome. I'll take that challenge and I'll start on Monday. So I was like, okay, cool. I had, I literally had no idea what I was doing or why I did see keto and I still didn't necessarily agree or believe in it at all. I was like, but I'll try it. So fast forward, I spent three days in hell. Um, I literally had what I would consider the worst exposure to the keto flu that I could ever possibly imagine. I wouldn't, I would not wish it on my worst enemy. Seriously, it was horrible. Um, But then a very interesting thing happened for as long as I can remember, like back when I was working out in middle school, like I'd go to the gym at four o'clock in the morning and I didn't sleep a lot. I never slept a ton. And I just, I was comfortable with that. You know, I had different things that had happened in my life and I just realized like sleep was just not going to be a very important thing to me at all. So take these three days, feel like hell, um, the fourth day I woke up, I had already been like tracking my sleep with the, you know, the tracking I was doing to kind of see how my bodies are responding to things and recognizing I needed to be more efficient. And so this last day, it was a Wednesday. I went to sleep and I woke up on Thursday. I didn't have an alarm set. I never really used alarms cause I just get up. And when I woke up, my wife won, she thought I was dead cause I had slept for so long, which was crazy. But at that point in time, anytime I had slept, I pretty much would be somewhere between like sixty eight and seventy-three percent as far as like deep sleep efficiency. Mm-hmm. And this Thursday when I woke up, I had slept for ten plus hours and I slept at over ninety percent deep sleep rate, wow. which was ridiculous. Yeah. And and when I woke up, like my hunger was gone, my nausea was gone. I really just felt like totally different. Kind of like the first day after you get over get over a flu mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh wow, okay, this is the day like I'll be able to reintroduce food.
1: Felt like a new man.
0: Yes. Like seriously, it was crazy. So I'm like, okay, cool. Let's see what's up. So I eat a little bit of eggs. I'm kind of like reintroducing things, but then I stepped on the scale and I realized I had dropped, I want to say like 13 pounds, which was insane from the following Monday.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. Which was really nuts and, and really crazy because I really wasn't looking at it. I mean, like I had already done And I had been doing intermittent fasting, I had done long fasts, but none of those things really related to that kind of weight loss in that period of time. So that was just kind of crazy for me. So... I was like, well, I'm already doing this now, so we'll continue. So I just continued. I just kept not having carbs and you know, I'd eat them in little things like cheese and if I was having broccoli and you know, whatever green leafy vegetables and stuff would come out. Um, really wasn't heavy on any kind of like calculating or macro set. I was just avoiding the carbs where I could and making sure I was eating fat to fuel myself. And weight just kept falling off. I mean, it was kind of crazy. Like effortlessly, I was getting leaner and leaner and leaner. Mm-hmm. My workouts weren't nearly as great as I thought they could be or should be. Um, so there was that. There was a period in time where it really felt like I was a little bit weaker. But I didn't care because like my abs were coming in like I had never seen them. There was like vascularity that was just insane. Like all of those things were crazy. And then my ability to really recall things was insane. Like the mental acuity that came via keto and is still here is like one of the most mind-boggling things. Um, I literally can recall details within my memory that I felt had been like long, long gone and forgotten. Mm -hmm. And that was really the thing I needed. At the end of the day, my energy was still there. Uh, It didn't matter how much sleep I was getting or not getting, I could go, I could sleep, I could get all that stuff, but I really just had just crazy amounts of energy. Um, and so that kind of like led the way of just continuing on that path. And I just continued to, to lose weight. And it was the first time where I really felt like I could eat whatever I wanted within the parameters set and I felt amazing. I didn't have to worry about what it was or how it was. Um, I really, you know, most people feel like when they start keto from those that I coach now that they feel it's really restrictive. And for me, it was like the exact opposite. I felt like mm-hmm. keto for me was really freeing. Same, um, same here. And so I don't know. It was, it was awesome and I just continued along.
1: Freeing in the aspect of, like, I disconnected myself from the foods that controlled me before, and I was eating foods that I love, so I've always been a cheese, a salty, like, nuts kind of person. I've always loved, like, meats and things, but I've always had, like, an addiction to the sweets, the pastries, the donuts. I mean, we've talked about that. Um, <laughs> but. It it was freeing for me in a sense that I was, I separated myself from those foods that I was addicted to and I never felt restricted because I never, I never told myself I can't have that. It was, I don't want that because of the effect it had on my mental, mental capabilities. That's how I viewed the freedom. I don't know if that's kind of how you viewed it too.
0: I mean, I, I did in the sense that it it was freeing in that regard, but it was also like Like, it doesn't matter how much I'm eating or what I eat, as long as it's this. Like, as long as it's within this category, like, it's game on. And, you know, if you overeat, I don't know, popcorn, if you overeat cake, if you overeat bread, like, there's this negative feeling that you get of bloat. Mm -hmm. Like, if you don't know what bloat it is, overeat yourself some yeast rolls at Logan's Roadhouse or Texas Roadhouse, and you'll (laughs) know, all right? Yes, for real. (laughs) So I didn't have that, like, I could go eat, you know, 20 wings and celery, and I'd be fine. Like, I didn't feel any kind of way of that. So that for me was like super freeing. Um, you know, it was really like, basically the stuffing my face in my restricted eating window without feeling bad, and right. with seeing positive from doing so. That was like...
1: Yeah. yeah. That's exactly how my husband describes it. And I mean, I'm the same way, but he's like, when he first started keto, he was like, I can eat this food and not feel stuffed. I'm full, I'm satiated and I'm like, fine. I don't need to eat anymore. Like I know I don't, but I don't feel stuffed and uncomfortable and just gross because of the car, like, he didn't have the carbs. He didn't have all the stuff that he used to, you know, stuff his face. So, like, a meal we would go eat, like, at um, Logan's Roadhouse, like you would say. You'd eat the bread, you'd eat the peanuts, and all that. And then by the time your food came, you're like, okay, I can't really eat anymore. But, like, no,
0: now the steak's here.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, I can't do that. But, you know, not eating those things, eating your salad, your whatever prior to, and then having your steak, and then feeling full but not like oh my god I'm, I need to go home and take a nap like that was uh, like eye-opening for him
0: yeah completely I could totally relate to that and then the other thing that I think was cool is you know I talk about the fact that we moved back to North Carolina because of me quitting my job and wanting to reduce stress but it, even now as I'm sitting here talking I'm like if I think about it even this year it's been way more stressful <laughs> since we moved back like <laughs>
1: Well, you work t- five jobs, so, I mean... <laughs>
0: I mean, I feel like everybody works five jobs. Um... But when we, when we moved back, like I took a huge pay cut, I mean, huge pay cut. And it was just because I wanted to not be in that situation and I wanted to start the companies that we started. So in making that transition, you know, you would think like, okay, great, it's freeing, but it's not because now like there's money that we would typically have that we didn't. Um, And we were planting seeds for things to be harvested later, but that was stressful in itself. And that's where I really started to get a better feel for and an understanding of stress eating. And what my body craved emotionally when I was in that situation. Um, And that's where I was kind of like, when I was stressed, I didn't crave a ribeye. Like I didn't, I didn't. Uh Like I, I, you know, I will forever say that, you know, my family and how I grew up and how I look at life. If I was trying to show love or feel love, it came in the ability to cook and make something that I know would bring a smile to your face. And who doesn't like freshly baked cookies or cake or any of those things? Now, if someone comes to my house, I'm I'm going to make you the best steak you've ever had in your entire life, hands yeah. down. Um, yeah. But that wasn't always the case. And so, you know, really being able to kind of realize that, that was where I really recognized my need to have to mentally shift my focus um, on how I looked at food, how I approach food. And, you know, that's the thing that kind of keeps me going on a regular basis as to, This is maybe how you feel, but you don't need a warm hug from a donut. You need to wrap your mind around, you know, that keto coffee that I'm drinking right now that is so much more fulfilling. So, right.
1: Yeah, no. And that's one thing I did want to touch on was your approach to food, your view of food, your approach to looking at it as more so like fuel for your body. um, And what it will do for you versus the emotional connection. Cause I think a lot of people struggle with that. I know, Every single client that comes to me struggles with that. I mean, I used to struggle with it, and it like we just got what like 13 inches of snow. I don't know where what you got there, but
0: we were gonna say you got 13 inches of snow. <laughs> I got I got a dusting and freezing rain.
1: Oh my god, really? <laughs> like I, I I feel like I'm in my little box, and everybody sees the same thing. But we got 13 inches of snow, and so automatically, I know for me, um, years ago, like snow equaled a. Sh- shit ton of junk food like go get it's like the hurricane snacks like you 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 stock up on the hurricane snacks or the snowstorm stacks snacks on Tuesday and they're eaten by Friday that kind of mentality um but like you know now now it's like it's I have that I don't have that connection anymore that emotional connection to an event or a circumstance like feeling like snowed in I need to eat junk a ton of junk food like that's that's how things have shifted for me, and I still have clients that struggle with that. So,
0: I, I mean, don't know. at the end of the day, I feel like <laughs> I did a, a stupid video sitting in the grocery store because everyone goes to buy bread and milk.
1: Yes, um, I saw that. Thing. That was epic.
0: <laughs> Why? Why? I don't. I. am like. I can't wrap my mind around like, what are you gonna make? Epic peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? Uh-huh. Like, what? 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 I. I'd have been all about the donuts and the entremets cakes there were plenty of those, but bread right. was gone. So I, I don't right. know. Um, but either way, I mean, so my thought process on that stuff is like, again, emotionally connected to food would be a severe understatement. Like I really, really, really felt like my emotions, my feeling. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like it's just wra- wrapped up in that. And so, especially like go- going through my divorce and realizing like my knee jerk reaction when I got divorced was to make all the food in the world. Um, you know, I really had to understand that food wasn't supposed to be an adventure. Here's the thing that I think was like really freeing. Intermittent fasting, if it fits your macros or any type of variation of the standard American diet, when you make changes, you don't really get a drastic feel. You don't get a drastic difference in how you feel. If you're bloated from eating 10 cupcakes, you're going to be bloated from eating two. Right. Okay. If you take your carb count from the average 450 and you drop it to 350, uh, guess what? You're still going to feel like crap. Yeah. However, for me, when I started keto, the efficiency levels that changed and how I could literally feel drastically different from 20 grams, less of fat today versus 20 grams more tomorrow. Um, that was where I really was like, holy cow, like food really impacts how my body is responding and reacts. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, being able to really understand the keto flu and looking at and realizing like, hey, if you don't have your electrolytes dialed in, it changes the way your muscles contract while you're working out. It changes the way you sleep. It changes your mood. Like it literally was like the first time being in a position where I was driving myself as a, as like a machine and I could feel the impact and changes of what macros had on me, you know, and how those things were adjusted. That's where I feel like, That was like the the eye-opening experience to, dude, this is real fuel. And if you put diesel in a gasoline car or you put gas in an electric, things are going to be jacked up. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, I think, is what really drove that and the misinformation, which is what really drove me to experimenting ketogenically, like with targeted, with cyclical, with backloading of carbs, with looking at how those things truly impacted my body and what my body's response was. And for the first time, being able to get immediate feedback, um, which I still think is like one of the greatest things. If you are an individual that needs to learn your body, I don't think there's, there's very few things as amazing as being able to go keto and feel exactly what and how your body responds to different stimuli.
1: No, I totally agree. Um, I've experimented, and, and that's the thing. We both are kind of similar in that, we, where we like to experiment with different ratios, how things feel for your body. And so for me, optimally, 80% fat is where I feel the best physically, mentally, everything. Like, I feel the best. Now, I don't know that 80% is best for fat loss for me. Um, I mean, I've done it. It's been a little bit slower, but... um. I don't know if the sacrifice of my mental state is worth going down another like 5%. So I keep it anywhere between 76 and 80% fat and below 75%. You can just count me out, which is insane because some people are just like, that is, that's a lot of fat. But if you take the time to learn that about your body, and that's what I do with my clients is I don't set them all under one umbrella. I try and get them, to understand like how your body's feeling mentally, physically, like what's going on and find the best ratio. And I think you take a similar approach to that with your coaching, correct?
0: No, not at all. No, no I'm just joking. No? <laughs>
1: oh, look, you're trying to trip me up.
0: <laughs> I am. I am. No. So, uh, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, I think that that's the, well, and I just talked about this earlier today too, but not only like the ratios, right? Because for me, like, you know, now I'm more carnivore than anything else. But even with carnivore, one of the things that I refuse to give up is like my MCT oil and my fatty coffees. And it's only because of the fact that I know how I feel when my fat is above 78%. Like I just, I know how I feel. I know how my mental clarity is. And for me to be under that, it's tough. Now I will say this. I think that there's a period of time for anyone whether they just started keto whether they've been keto for three years whether they've been keto for as long as they can remember where your body makes adjustments and if you adjust things a new form and a new level of homeostasis will occur right so but it's it's whether or not you're in a position to go through that shift um you know any of like the performance athletes that'll start with me and say hey i'm looking to unlock more in my performance and so i'm going to make this transition to keto i always let them know i'm like look Six weeks to three months, things are going to be difficult. So, if you just started your season, this may not be the best time for you to make this transition. Can you do it? Absolutely. But not if you have someone that's looking at a certain performance matrix for how much you're lifting right now. Like, this may not be the best time. You may need to wait for off season. Um, but those transitions conversely will also be there as you make an adjustment as to your 78% down to 68% if you want us to do that do I think it's possible without a doubt as long as you're aware and okay with the changes and the struggles of making those adjustments and allowing your body to adjust accordingly but I'm with you man 78 86% I feel like I can just like rule the world Mm
1: -hmm. like it's
0: it's so good
1: yeah, no, and there are days, and I think you've done this too, or you've not done it on purpose, but there are days where I'll do what I call fat fasting, and it's literally just having fatty coffee or um, not even, nothing but fat all day long and That those days that I do that now, I don't recommend that for anyone who is either just starting out or um, anyone who has never experienced like done that before or done it slowly. But like I started out with half days of fat fasting, kind of like an intermittent fasting window. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just having my fatty coffee up until one o'clock and then, you know, going eating my first meal around then. But the days that I do just like fat fasting, I feel I am so like so optimal it's insane my mental state I'm just I'm able to do so many different things to get so much done and it's a natural which depending on how much obviously coffee you drink or fat you take in you're in a deficit you know regardless most of the time but um, so it helps kind of with that whole intermittent fasting thing but like I find that the days that I consume almost 100% fat I'm just like uh, it's, it's crazy. The difference.
0: Yeah. My intensity is definitely through the roof and I'm already a pretty intense individual. Um, and yeah, fat, fat, fasting. It's, it's funny. I actually just had two clients do that. Um, the last two days. So I'm like, listen, it's, it's a tool, right? Like we all mm-hmm. have, you have to be aware of the tools that you have for what you're trying to get done. Um, you know, like for some that I have, like people that do a road trip, like they're driving and they're going to be driving an extended period of time. I'm like, yeah, this will be a time you are going to fat fast. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, well, you don't want to put the metabolic stress on your body of having to digest a huge steak, even though it'd be really enjoyable. But if you stack the right fats, you won't even get sleepy. Right. Like it's, it's incredible the way the body responds to fat when you're allowing yourself to be at that certain level of adaptation and efficiency to process those things. And so again, I think that you coaching, it's so important that people find a coach that knows what they're doing, Mm -hmm. because I feel like that person will help bring you through and understanding where you are, Mm -hmm. where you want to go. And then what are some of the tools that, you know, are added to the quiver as you kind of like throughout the journey and throughout the process that that will help you in that space. So that's awesome.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, How long have you been coaching? I uh, first of all, how long have you been keto? I, I didn't get to ask you that.
0: Um, 90 years. No, um, (laughs) it'll be three years in March.
1: Okay. Okay. And And then then how
0: long? Yeah. So coaching, like officially legitimately coaching, um, I want to say it will be a year in, it'll be a year in January since like the whole keto matrix thing has come Mm -hmm. up, but I started coaching, a little bit before that. So I would say probably like November. So I want to say November was exactly a year of coaching like where I was actively helping people. And then January will be officially like a year of like the Keto Matrix existence.
1: That's similar to my thing. I think we talked about that a little bit. So I started helping people prior to just because everybody was like, what are you doing? I wanna know. Like I want help. I need you need to tell me all your secrets. And I'm like, Well, this has taken away a lot of time from my family. Um and I'm putting in a lot of work to try to give you all the resources. Whereas, you know, me, I looked up all the resources myself. I tried to I mean, I asked for help where I needed it, but I, I'm a research freak. So oh, I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna find it all out myself. And then so helping people you know, not only taking it away time from my family, but it just ended up becoming like a passion because people would get so excited and like they'd see their results. And I'd be like that, uh, that feeling of helping someone got addicting to me. And so um, that's why I ended up doing it. But um, I did want to ask you, so how did you switch over to a more like carnivore approach? Like when did that all start for you?
0: Oh man, that's okay. So (laughs) it started on a trip to Dallas, Uh,
1: (laughs) which is like epic. Cause I mean, their brisket is like bomb.
0: (laughs) Oh my goodness. Like this is legit. Okay. So I, I, like you said, like you did all the research, you asked for help where needed. Um, to this day, I will listen to it easily three or four podcasts every day from a, from a myriad of different people. Um, just because like one, I always I need to push myself. Like I want people to push me. I want my knowledge to always be out there. And whether it's a good pad, podcast or a bad podcast, there's information that you can take from it to help formulate and drive continued research, continued development, et cetera. So I listen to at least three or four podcasts every single day. Having said that, I was listening to a podcast with Amber O'Hearn, who was talking about her ability to like cure her bipolar disorder without eating carbs and without eating vegetables. And she was, she used to be a vegan and a vegetarian and all these different things. And I'll be honest, when I listened to it, I was kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. Uh Right (laughs) now, when I realized that anytime I'm now in one of those positions where I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm like, oh geez, guess that means I got to try it.
1: There's something you can learn when you have that mindset. You're like, Okay, well, I got to try it for myself to see if it's crap or not.
0: <laughs> Seriously. So I'm I, listening to this. I land in Dallas. Um, I hadn't had anything to eat yet. It was a stupid early flight. And I was like, I was at a coffee shop in Dallas, full city roasters. Right next door was a barbecue place. And I'm like, I don't want vegetables at this place anyway. So I'll just get brisket. I got brisket and ribs, actually. Mm. I was like, cool. Um, dinner came. Um, I had a failed A meeting that just did not go the way it was supposed to. And so I was like, okay, cool. I guess I'll have In-N-Out burger. Um, so I had an In-N-Out burger and like In-N-Out has this great secret menu where you can just eat carnivore. So I was like, okay, cool, whatever. So this continued the entire time I'm there. I'm in Dallas for like three or four days. Um, came home. Oh my goodness. I came home and I had a horrible trip in Dallas. I land and my wife picks me up from the airport and we literally had a baby shower to go to like directly after her getting me from the airport. Right, so I'm like, okay, great, horrible trip. I'm back now. We're at a baby shower for those are for those that are listening. Um, yeah, I don't have any children, so that was a unique situation. So we're at this baby shower, and we continue, and life is on. I am an intense individual, as I stated. My wife hadn't seen me in three or four days. I had a horrible trip in Dallas with the pressures of work, the pressures of life. I'm at this baby shower. Life is just difficult as it as it can be at times, and she makes the statement. I want to say the following day or the day after. And she was just like telling me how she loved how I was dealing with certain things. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. And she just proceeds to tell me like, she really felt like I was, you know, I could have flipped out where I had, where I would previously have flipped out on certain things and I hadn't. And, and then I started kind of reflecting and I was like, Holy cow like my, my mood was stabilized. Like I didn't have some of the the peaks and valleys that I would in my anger and my irritation and frustration. And, um, that continued. And so I was kind of like, okay, I I'm, I'm feeling this, like that makes sense. And, Mm um, kind of just continued down this journey of like carnivore and staying carnivore. And now when I look at it, like I, I haven't had a vegetable in over a year. Um, that's, yeah, seriously. Like, and I and I never will again. <laughs> I, really, I honestly do not feel like I ever will. Um, which is sad because I used to I used to tell people like you don't understand how much fat I could add in a salad.
1: Right. Like, Oh god, it'll yeah. Blow
0: your mind. Yeah. Um, and now I'm like, I'll never eat a salad. Like, why? I, I won't. Coming
1: coming from the man who juiced all the things in the Vitamix.
0: <laughs> seriously, my I feel so bad for my Vitamix right now because it literally
1: just is, there.
0: <laughs> No, no, no. I use it. I use it to make my keto coffee, but that's oh, okay. it. And oh. it's kind of like I could put an apple in here and turn it into liquid. And all I'm now doing is putting a bunch of liquid for you to froth it.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: <laughs> it's so underutilized.
1: Oh, wow.
0: But either way. um, Yeah. yeah. So for me, the mood stabilization was kind of like the the incredible aspect of things. Um, and then I also found that I used to take certain supplements that I didn't need anymore. Um, like I used to take the magnesium and potassium, and um I'd balance certain things out with my vitamin D intake and other things. And I just realized that I was getting so much in the meat, like the micronutrient aspect of things that i didn't I didn't need it. Like I really just felt great. Um, so yeah, and I just for me, I think that, Again, if you have considered or thought of carnivore and you haven't tried it, I feel like people should give it a go. And then I'd also say this, because this is the thing that I think throws people off. Carnivore is one of those things that seems real black and white, like it's real simple, eat anything with a face – but also it's still unique to each individual. So the same way, like some people can eat broccoli and it impact them completely differently than if they ate spinach. Um, there are some people that have to eat beef where they feel really good, where they eat beef. And there's other people that just don't process beef well, where they get like bloated and feel uncomfortable. And so for them, they may have to eat more lamb or bison or Buffalo or some, something else. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like those things take a period of time of adjusting and the other thing i would say not that you're asking me but i'm gonna tell you anyway that kind of blew my mind with carnivore was that i already thought i was in a position to efficiently utilize everything in my body like i thought my gut gut biome had been set my leaky gut had been healed like everything has been great and when i switched over to carnivore like it it was still like this whole other level of transitioning and time that took place um i don't know if i've told you the story about erythritol and my impact the impact it had kind of like on my wife and I always thought she was crazy.
1: No, we, we've talked about the stevia a little bit, but not the erythritol. All
0: right. So again, like there's only but so much I could remove myself from my love for sweets. So when I started keto, I was all about like the fat bombs and I make the world's best keto cheesecake and all these other things. And I used to tell people like, yeah, use erythritol. Like I don't like the fact that it comes from corn, but your body doesn't process it anyway. So I mean, use it. And my wife would have anything with erythritol in it and felt like she got kicked in the stomach. Like, be debilitated. Like, it was horrible. And I just thought she was crazy. I'm like, okay, well, I guess you're not eating that. Z- even Zevia, like, it was really bad. Yeah. So fast forward, I do carnivore. I done it, I did it for, like, seven weeks where I was, like, strict, strict carnivore. And then I had a Zevia, and I thought I was going to die.
1: Oh, I'm sure
0: like thought I was going to die and I, but I didn't understand why, like it didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, why? And even with Zevia, I'm like, well, it's, it's sweetened with Stevia. So that shouldn't like be a big deal. Um And either way, come to find out like they do ste- it's a Stevia erythritol blend that they use to sweeten their drinks. Um And that was my first recognition and unrealization that one, I had found a new level of efficiency where my body was processing things even differently. And where things like that initially or previously not bothered me, that I was now susceptible to feeling. So now anytime I have erythritol, I feel like I'm going to die. Um, but it, it also kind of just opened my eyes to the fact that there were still other things, even ketogenically that I was putting in my body that I didn't need to have there. So, um, it's been pretty cool. I would say the only exception I make now is like keto bricks. Yeah. yeah, How does
1: that, does that bother you at all? Yeah, it does. yeah it does like
0: i have to eat so and i listen shout out to robert sex love robert love his keto bricks um really do him and crystal but i have to do like i can't do more than like a third of a brick at one time or the fiber kills me because Mm -hmm. there is fiber in it so yeah but yeah
1: no that's crazy um that you say that I I do know I didn't know that Zevia was a erythritol Stevia blend so but it makes sense because usually Stevia like sweet leaf the sweet leaf packets that brand that's probably the only brand of Stevia that I can tolerate and anything else I've noticed like will cause digestive upset or bloat me Um, but anytime I drink a Zevia I get bloated and anything with erythritol usually makes me bloat like I made brownies this weekend that had erythritol in them and instantly like within after like 30 minutes of consuming it I was bloated and so that's something it's going to be very hard for me to ditch completely because you and I know you know I'm a sweets person too so like I always try to find a way but another thing that I'm trying to ditch which is not good anyways is those sugar-free syrups in your coffee (laughs) (laughs) I need you to come like smack them out of my hand because like that's the only like crutch that I have as far as sweetness goes I can I can do without putting stevia in my coffee or anything else but like I love my (laughs) sugar-free syrup
0: yeah I mean it's it is but at the same time like I I get it like I understand I mean it's it's definitely a process um I actually so funny enough no one has heard this yet I don't think anyone has heard this I'm like, I don't even know if I told my wife this yet. So this is like hot off the press.
1: I felt special.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I decided, I I just made this decision that I'm not going to go on a caloric deficit for at least 12 months. Oh,
1: yeah. And
0: that I I won't have any processed anything over that period of time.
1: Wow, 12 months.
0: 12 months. And um, I had talked in some of my podcasts about, uh, I want to say it was Robert that was like, you know, self-imposed hardships and the thought process behind the growth on that and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, And I don't know that I could do that because like, I'm good with, you know, we had talked about like the memories of food and if you feel like you're going to miss out on those things like that being acceptable. And, you know, for me, I was kind of like, yeah, I'm with, I'm with you on that. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know how my body would respond to just removing that all out for an entire year and then how, Mm -hmm. how that would look. And I honestly feel like I'm at a point where I don't, I don't crave like, oh my goodness, I have to have birthday cake. I really Mm -hmm. like, I don't, my cravings for that aren't there. But the memories of being able to say, hey, you know, my family wanted to come around and have this cake and have me, you know, eat it with them. Or like last night we had an e-group celebration that we do every year with um, like the married e-group from our church. And, you know, they wanted to have like uh, it was like a bacon wrapped chestnut with some kind of sauce on. I'm like, yeah, I can eat that. I'll try it because I know that you made it and you thought that this was going to be the perfect keto treat for me. And Mm -hmm. so but like, you know, at the end of the day, like those kind of things I recognize are important. But for me, I want to really see how my body goes in in getting rid of and not having those things around. And so I will be more than happy to smash every sugar-free syrup type drink thing that you have to add to your coffee um, and, and, and hold you accountable to those things. Uh, as long as you're willing to do the same when I'm like, hey, I think I want to have X, Y, Z and or make a keto cheesecake. And and you're like, no, you shouldn't do that because you said you weren't going to. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah. No. And I think that that I, I, I mean, I've cut out sweeteners before, like totally. Um, it was actually when I did my carnivore experiment, which did not go very well for me. For some reason, I feel like hormonally, I'm not healed very well enough cool. for the carnivore to have worked properly so I have things there that I need to to work on but um but I do feel like cutting out any type of sugar-free anything or sweetener anything is the last crutch to go for me um and doing it for a longer period than just three, four weeks, like just doing away with it completely. And I noticed that my taste buds change dramatically when I do that. Like that was the benefit that I remembered was, I mean, it was amazing. And so I can definitely be there for you to remind you to cut the cheesecake out. If you will help me.
0: (laughs) You know, what I think is crazy is, um, you know, like even like vegetables, When I would have like a huge salad, my cravings for other sweet related items would be higher. Mm -hmm. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you're eating anything that's sweet, like your sugar-free mm-hmm. syrups. That has got to be like making other things like more desirable that yeah. otherwise wouldn't be there.
1: Yeah, like so, that Lily, that Lily's chocolate that's up in my cabinet right now. is like, oh, I mean, obviously I'm staying away from it, but it's just, you know, it does. It intensifies the want for something else. It's just a constant cycle. And so uh, that's, that's a goal for me is to cut it out completely. With my four-week group challenges that I do, the clean like keto where they're eating more whole foods, they eliminate all artificial sweeteners um and they you know eliminate dairy for a period of time too so and they all notice like the difference in the changes of their taste buds and how things are either once they reintroduce it they're way more sweet and then they also start craving those things again
0: so that's cool I want to um I want to get an MRT just because one they're expensive so I haven't yet but um Mm -hmm. just to kind of see like if I have certain sensitivities because I know like you, you may be surprised even for yourself. Like there may be some of those sweeteners in those things that are like totally impacting your insulin where it wouldn't uh, somebody else's and vice versa. And so I just kind of want to get an idea of what are some things that I'm taking in that have a different impact on me? Um, maybe more so than they would with someone else and and make sure I can kind of steer clear of that, which I don't know. I'm interested to see how that is. But
1: yeah, no, I agree. I feel like that would be a good tool to have, at least to to know that about yourself. I mean, it is crazy how everyone's different. Um, yeah. Like knowing that working with several different people and with coaching them, like you can tell that everyone no one is the same and even my body is totally different than than other clients but I still like to experiment and and figure things out for myself that way that I can apply it towards coaching and say well this might work for you it didn't work for me your body's a little bit of what I think might work for that so I mean there are clients that I do have that are women that do carnivore and and they feel great um but you know, I, I said I wasn't gonna do carnivore ever again because I felt yeah. so horrible. But I think once I can finally like find the good like hormonal balance for myself, um, then then I may try it again.
0: Who knows? I mean, look, at the end of the day, I feel like even even with doing the carnivore and especially knowing that you feel good at seventy-eight plus percent on fat. Like that may be one of those things where you still have your keto coffee and add your MCT and coconut oil and what have you so that you can keep your fat up because hormonally not having that energy source as fatty efficient and adapted as you are may have been the thing that kind of kept your, your hormones out of whack. So maybe even even utilizing that may help, um, you know, but who knows? Listen, if you're ever up, I'm down to like we, we can <laughs> we should create a challenge where we do it together. <laughs> I'm, I'll be, like, more more than all in and trying to, like, make the adjustments and kind of sharing with the world how that process looks.
1: Yeah. Because I, yeah.
0: I firmly believe everyone, when doing carnivore for their unique situation, can thrive.
1: Yeah. 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 I understand. I get that. I don't know. I uh, I don't know if you've ever read The Anti-Anxiety Diet by Allie Miller. <laughs> um Allie's one of my
0: favorites, man.
1: Yes, I love her book. And so that, that and along with her podcast and stuff, I've been, you know, as a female, obviously, if it's TMI for anybody, but um, naturally trying to regulate my cycle and stuff, throwing in extra carbs when I need it. So extra veggies, extra nuts. So that's the only issue that I have with going carnivore is that when I removed those things and how I target them into my cycle to stabilize my hormones, it's difficult when you're carnivore. So that's, that's my only issue about doing it again and trying to make sure that they stay balanced.
0: Okay. So I, I'm not asking your permission on this (laughs) one. So if you want to edit this out, this will be on you, but, um, along, along lines of the whole TMI thing. So for, I've had so many clients that have come to me with different hormonal issues with regulating and stuff like that. And I know like the rule of thumb for the most part is, during the time of the month, cycle your carbs up. Even if you're, even if you're backloading them, and when let's just define this. When I say so cycle carbs up, I mean like maybe you had 30 grams of total carbs. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's um, clarify that for the yeah, people. Yeah, yeah.
1: We're not doing no. like 120, 200 carbs. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, I don't mean like you ate a cheesecake. Um, right. But, like, literally, literally, like 30 grams of total carbs, where maybe you're only at a five normally or a 10 normally or whatever, um, to help like adjust and deal with those symptoms. So, oddly enough, I've also had some that have just stopped their cycle altogether, like, they just have not had a cycle since going carnivore for months, right? Yeah. So, I, my wife was like the worst, absolutely, like, debilitating cramps when she'd have her cycle and she started Is she keto. Carnivore? um not really I'm gonna go with a no a solid no because like she like she likes her broccoli and her asparagus and whatever yeah Yeah. I mean and I don't don't have any shame in the game like if you don't want to do carnivore like people can live their life um (laughs) but um one of the things that for her she realized was that she was still doing like not necessarily like fat bombs right but she would do like macadamia nuts and pecans and um, these other things and eventually she would also do like um, a cheat meal like every couple weeks or so Mm -hmm. and so that was just like her intro to keto like she would do that and she did it pretty consistently and eventually she got to the point where she was like okay I am going to last I want to say last year I did it three months. I was like, look, I'm going to go three months, super, super clean, super dialed in and very meticulous with my tracking. And she was like, okay, cool. I'll do that. And I'm going to do that with you. And at this point in time, like she was, I want to say like keto for about a year. And she was like, okay, well I will, I'll do this with you and kind of see how things go. So for three months, she was super strict. She didn't have any extra, anything, no dark chocolate, no anything. And, um, her fourth month after doing that, like it was the best cycle she ever had in her entire life ever wow. super low super low on carbs was absolutely amazing now i say all that to say nothing about that she then this was like october yeah we're in okay so like october she was pretty much having cheats once a month or once every two weeks and i mean non, like legit, non-keto
1: cheats. cheats
0: yeah yeah non-keto cheats like okay. just introducing all the carbs not like not nothing crazy no binges or anything like that but she's having cheats um and she had her cycle for like twenty days. Mm-hmm. Like,
1: That's
0: like a short, short cycle. No, 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 no. I mean, like, twenty days of bleeding.
1: Like, oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, I was like, no, it's not a short cycle. It was forever. Oh, okay.
1: Um, so, wow.
0: Forever. Okay, yeah. So, oh, for
1: for the for the bro in the house. <laughs> forever.
0: Trying, like, forever. So, um, so now like. Uh, I'm the keto coach like what's the deal she's asking me like oh we could change this we could change that i'm like all right look there's a lot of different things that you know women will do to kind of help regulate obviously your hormones are off so let's take this approach to kind of remove some things add some things and adjust so she you know first it was like okay cool let's add certain carbs backload them still no cheats but you know we'll put you at like the 20 gram total and kind of see where you're at um long story short none of that helped until she took all of her carbs out completely I was like, drop all your carbs, five grams or less. And she finally like it stopped and was so much better. And so now, yeah, which was like crazy, but the realization.
1: Like, so how long did it, what, did she eliminate her carbs? When did she eliminate it? And then how long did it take for her cycle to stop?
0: Okay. So, um, she first tried like the backloading and stuff like that. So hers, her cycle typically she'll bleed for like three or three to five days, five days being long. Um, And then she'll be okay. Right. So after like the sixth day, you know, I'm kind of like, what's up? Like (laughs) we're at day seven, like what's, what's going on? So then it was kind of like, okay, well, let's make some adjustments here. Track where you're at, because I can't help you if I don't know where you are. Right. So track where you're at and then let's make some adjustments. So then we did like the backloading, which didn't help. Um, And then I want to say somewhere around like day 18, I was like, just strip the carbs out. We've tried everything else already. And you know my feelings on carbs. Your body doesn't need them. And so just take them out. And she took them out. Day 19 was done. And then day 20, like, completely finished. Like, yeah, no, there's no coming back. Like, wow. we're good. So I say all that to say, like, my initial thought process on that and my my thought process now is kind of like, I know that when you make a transition from something, like, your body has to change, mm-hmm. right? But that change is difficult, and sometimes it takes a longer time than others. And so when we basically reintroduce the thing that we changed from, of course, our body's going to be like, oh, cool, fine, thank you. You finally put it you put it back, and so now it feels normal again. Right. But that keeping it gone for a, an extended period of time really allows the next level of adaptation to occur, um, even though it may be more challenging. Okay. So that's the, that's the one thing where I'm like, cause even like, I just had a client that literally I had been working with her for, I want to say like four or five months and her four or five months, she was just like, my cycle stopped and I haven't had it back. And she went off. She was like, I'm going to go off keto. Maybe that's what it is. And I'm just like, I think your body is just continuing with this change. How do you feel? Mm -hmm. Like ask yourself that question. How do you feel? Uh, and if you feel good, then great. Either way, she just went and had like her full panel of hormones and stuff done and her hormones were like perfectly on point in every way, shape or form. And so I was like, I told you, like, it's just your body making those adjustments and being, you know, finding this new level of normal. Um, and that process takes longer than we give it credit for. I think that's the biggest thing. So either way.
1: No, I agree with that. No, that's, that's, that's good to know. Um, but I agree with that. And then also like the weight loss aspect of keto and how your body has to adapt. So you see, and I'm sure you see this too with your clients, a lot of times people will drop a ton of weight in the beginning, like the first two weeks, and then they'll say they've stalled for like two or three weeks after that, but they don't understand that your their body's adapting those last couple of weeks. I mean, you just hit your body with a complete like diet change you've just eliminated an entire source nutrient source and so of course you're going to lose a lot of weight have a lot of changes your body has to have time to catch up and so I think that goes along with that like your body has to catch up with the weight loss with the hormones with the entire change and I know with carnivore your gut microbiome all that stuff kind of changes too and people initially may see bloating but then it all usually just kind of levels out the longer you give it right.
0: Yeah, it does. And so like that, and that to me, again, like, it's surprising to me, like, because I would have thought, well, this is just a simple thing. Like, I'm, already, I'm only eating 20 grams of total carbs and vegetables anyway. So I mean, what's a big deal if I take that out? But yeah, like, the transition, I, I am excited to see a year from now, how my body has adjusted. And I will say like, even with like, we had, we kind of talked offline about how crazy life has been. Like, even now, my ability to not let my intensity come out in certain areas. I Ooh, think it's yeah. been huge. Um, and those are the kind of things where I'm just like, man, it's really cool. And this time around, you know, like I said, I wasn't going to do a deficit for at least 12 months. Um, I really am focused on looking at how my body will respond in the hypertrophic response to muscle stimuli from just having the increased amount of protein, um, yeah. without the carbohydrates present at all. I know a lot of people still like ketogenically will do a targeted or cyclical. Um, and with the exception of like Robert, everyone is still throwing carbs in there in order to, to gain. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I, I just haven't seen the need for that. Um, and so I'm really, I'm interested in being able to kind of like put the proof with the pudding, um, in that regard.
1: Yeah, no, I think that that's pretty cool. So when, when are you starting this, when are you gonna, when is this, uh, no processed stuff starting? Monday. Monday. Okay. Yeah. And I'm gonna,
0: I'm gonna, the previous three days before that. So most likely Thursday will be a 72 hour. Uh, I'll probably do a 24 hour dry fast where I have absolutely nothing. And then mm-hmm. I'll do 72 hours of just water. And then I'll, and then I'll start.
1: Have you done a dry fast before? I have. Yeah. Yeah. How is it? Is it brutal?
0: Mm, um, I mean, nothing's really brutal, right? Like it all depends on your mindset. Um,
1: right.
0: I won't work out on a dry fast. Yeah, I yeah, know. Uh-uh. But, um, but no, I think it's good. I think it's amazing to kind of, feel how your body responds to it. I mean, like it, it, it's cool. Like especially when you're you know, I, I stay pretty lean now for the most part. So like being able to kinda like see my vascularity change and my muscles change. Um just in that twenty four hour period of really like getting rid of any little bit of water that's there and using all of it. Um and then the the mental shift is is pretty cool. I like it.
1: Now when you do a dry fast, is it like no shower like that intense, like Thomas Delauer talks about? Uh yeah, no. No.
0: no I'm I'm I, I, am OCD with that. Like I'm showering.
1: <laughs> so have you heard about him talk about dry fasting?
0: Yes. I um, mean,
1: that's intense.
0: That's Oops. intense. Now here's what I'll say.
1: Like not even brushing teeth. Like that is, yeah, I, that's insane. No, you can't. I used insane. to be a dental assistant. I can't do that.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, no. So I understand it's kind of like the HCG diet. Like, there's certain things you can't even put on your skin. Now, I yeah. will say, like, obviously, like, our skin is our largest organ. So I get that. But mm, a shower is not going to kill me. I mm-hmm. just, I, I can't. Yeah. No, yeah. I know.
1: I mean, there's certain, there's intensities to everything that you do. So I wasn't sure if that was, that was high intense you were going to go.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Not, not that intense. For me, the dry fast is more of a uh, purging of the the extra water that I'm holding within. Mm-hmm my intestinal tract and digestive tract and then doing 72 hours after that to really just allow my digestive tract to have that rest, refresh and renew on a cellular level, like microbiome and all that kind of stuff. And then reintroducing food. Um, but I'm not, yeah, no, I'm showering.
1: That's awesome though. That's really good. It really gets me like hyped to want to do a fast, like the longest fast I've ever done is 36 hours. And it was, I drank water obviously, but, and electrolytes, but I, I feel like I might join you on your fast. I don't know if I'll do a dry fast, but I might join you on that 72-hour last part. We'll see. i
0: do it. Now, here's the question that I have. Your electrolytes, did you drink, like, the – what the did you Ultima? take? Ult- no,
1: I just did pink salt.
0: Okay, I cool. Think- I was going to yeah. say, like, I don't know how, like um, – well, I feel yeah, like that would make it worse
1: yeah no because it has stevia in it and it can kind of trigger that hunger hormone. I
0: feel like, yeah, I feel like I, I, yeah I feel like I'd be starving yeah I just yeah. do purified water um, on my water only ones even though I did um, the longest the longest water fast I ever did was a week was wow. seven days and I did use highlight, which is um, just electrolytes there's no sweetener or anything added to it. Um, it tastes, makes your water taste a little salty but um, and I worked out during that week
1: okay. which
0: was intense.
1: Intense. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah um, Jimmy Moore gave me a copy of his book, the complete guide to fasting that he did, I believe with Jason Fung. So I've been reading in that a little bit. Um, and I, I just got done telling my husband, uh, earlier this week that I wanted to start incorporating more intense intermittent fasting. So I think, I think it'd be good to start out with a good, like solid fast to get into that habit of intermittent fasting.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's one of those things that I still love so much. I mean, intermittent fasting for me is a staple. I'll probably never change just because um, I'm—I I'm, don't know how to say this. For most that see me, I don't look my age, right? So uh, I try. Yeah, to, I don't even
1: know how old you are.
0: I'd, I want to be like Pharrell. <laughs> he looks—he looks 19 for the rest of his life.
1: So yeah, I would—I um, would say I'm gonna guess like 28.
0: That's awesome. Let's see. I love that.
1: <laughs> you uh, going to tell me what your age is?
0: No, I'm, a- I'm going to be 18 for forever. <laughs> Let's just say I'm way closer to 40 than I am the 20 Oh, my health.
1: gosh. I would never, re- I would never, ever say that. Uh, that is
0: crazy. So, um, so have, having said that, though, I feel like I attribute that to hormone regulation that comes from intermittent fasting, and I just Competency. think that- yeah all of it i really think that like even with the i'm not going to do a caloric deficit at all for the next 12 months but um at least once a quarter i'll do a 72 hour fast just, just based on that. And I, and I f F every day. Like, um, that was one of the things that when I went into this 3,700 plus calories that I've been eating every day, when I first started it, I was like, Oh, I'm not going to really worry about intermittent fasting. Um, and that lasted for like a couple of weeks. And I was like, I have to, because it just feels, it feels so much better. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Like you want to have any stuff your face, but it feels, it feels really good to just have that break of not eating. Um, so that yeah, was what it no, is.
1: I think that sounds awesome. Well, Um, I think that is, I mean, I know we could go forever. We, we could have, we could talk forever, but I think that that was a really good, uh, a good conversation. I think a lot of people will learn from it. So, um, where can people find you on social media?
0: So, uh, name on Instagram is keto period Neo and pretty much anywhere else you put keto Neo, you will find me whether that's Twitter, Facebook. Um, and then you could always just go to the ketomatrix.com and all my links are there. As well as like the, po- the podcast link and stuff.
1: Yeah, I was going to say you have a podcast too. So it's the Keto Matrix, right?
0: The Keto Matrix, correct.
1: Perfect. And you'll find my episode on there a couple of weeks ago. So,
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> yes.
1: um, thank you for being on and I will be talking to you again soon.
0: Awesome. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.